Street Photography Magazine podcast, episode number 69, Street Photography Gear Talk with Matt Jerums. Hello and welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. I hope you all are enjoying yourself sheltering in place. Not. It has been an interesting time, hasn't it? I don't know about you, but I'm having a tough time staying focused, even though I'm in the office like 90% of the time. Maybe I'll just get used to it. Anyway, because I've been stuck inside, for the most part, I got together with Matt Jerems recently to record an episode indulging our favorite guilty pleasure, which is street photography gear. If you're a regular reader of Street Photography Magazine or a listener of this podcast, you probably know that we don't talk much about gear, aside from asking our guests what they shoot with on the street. But that doesn't mean we don't like gear. In fact, I found that most of us have a bad case of gas, which if you don't know what it is, it stands for Gear Acquisition Syndrome. So Matt and I got together to discuss some of our favorites, I know this may seem a little Fuji-centric at the beginning, but bear with us. And that's because Matt and I both shoot with Fuji regularly. But Matt is such a gearhead, he's got plenty to talk about for everyone. Well, that's enough talk for me. Have a listen to our conversation about street photography gear. Well, today I have with me Matt Jerem. Matt Jerem is back. Maybe we make this an annual event, Matt. I don't know. We we were on about a year ago, I think, talking about Cuba. Yeah. This, so, is, this is my third time now. Third time. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I know. I know. That makes it's you an many. official friend of the show. Of course, you have been I'll anyways. Take I'll take it. I'll take it. And anyway, Matt Jerem is uh, he's located in uh, the UK, near London. He's... Uh, produces TV commercials. He's an avid street photographer um, and and a Cleveland Browns fan. I mean, you know, what else do you need, right, in life? That's, that's, that's really all you need. The that's Browns, right. Indians, and Buckeyes, mate. That's me all the way. The Buckeyes, that's right. The Buckeyes, too. Yeah. No, nobody goes for the Bobcats. No, that's oh. that's Ohio University. That's, that's where I went, see. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah sorry, Matt. I'm not interested. <laughs> it's not a serious football school, that's for sure. <laughs> it's just a serious school. Well, anyway, welcome back, Matt. Welcome back, Matt. How have you been? Thank you for having me. Um, thank you very much, and uh, for the welcome, Bob. Um, it's been strange. Um, obviously, I wish we were talking under better circumstances, but here we are. Um, I'm currently uh, in week three of a, uh, a kind of quarantine lockdown type effect working from home, doing all that. And, um, yeah, very, very strange. Very, very strange. It's extremely quiet. I don't, I don't actually live in the centre of London. I live in a small village about 15, 17 miles north of it. And uh, it's extremely quiet and very weird. And I don't have many stories. Certainly, I don't have any kind of stories uh, compared to yours. Mine. Yeah, mine, mine is pretty bizarre. We... Um... I haven't really told it yet in any great detail, but we were in New Zealand. We were actually on a cruise. Um, we had planned to go to that part of the world for, for years. We finally had an opportunity to do it. And we took this 15-day, it was supposed to be a 15-day trip through, around New Zealand and Australia, and we tacked tack several days at the beginning and afterwards. We were going to be gone for well over three weeks, we got halfway through the cruise. I got to see an old friend in Wellington. He took us around, got a, showed us the city. I mean, it was it was really a neat trip. And then halfway through, they canceled the cruise, along, along with everybody else in the business. And we had to turn around and go back to Auckland. It took three days to get get there, and in that time, we were been trying trying to find a way home. Sure. And but the whole time we were in New Zealand, it was like. It was business as usual. Um, that's that's probably one of the countries that's the least affected by this virus, at least as of when we were there, and I hope it stays the same. Such a beautiful place. 
But uh, yeah, we finally got flights. We got bumped many times, and we got a flight through Tahiti. Tahiti, Tahiti Air Nui, it's called. I never heard of it. I go, oh my God, are we going to survive this flight? It was actually yeah, really sounds, nice. Sounds, I was going to say, it sounds pretty exotic, actually. Well, kind of. You know, we got to Tahiti. We had to, we had to fly to Tahiti from Auckland, and it was about five hours. It was actually nice because we got to get out for an hour, and we had to get off the plane, go through security and transit. They called it transit. We were in the terminal with everybody else it was midnight it was hot really hot and um on the way to tahiti there was hardly anybody on the plane oh let me back up we go to the ticket counter to to check in and they said sorry only residents of french polynesia can get on the plane and we said well we're transiting Mm, too bad and so there were like dozens of us that were flying to la on this thing and then Finally, one of the guys in line with us went to talk to somebody else, and they said, no, you can get on the plane. (laughs) But a lot of people left, and they went to try to find something else. It was total pandemonium at the time. Anyway, so, you know, we we left New Zealand, which was perfectly normal, and then we came home to this eerie place that I didn't recognize. It was like Night of the Living Dead, as I told you earlier. If you've ever seen Night of the Living Dead... uh, it was weird, weird, and we're still getting used to it. So, it's it's very very strange at the moment. I'm glad. I mean, obviously, I'm glad you're home safe, and I hope you got some uh, great pictures. Anyway, how long do you think you cut it short by in the end? Oh, week and a half. Oh, a lot. So that's nearly halfway. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, lost a lot. Half. You lost half of it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, supposedly we're going to get a seventy-five percent refund. Have yet to see it. <laughs> And, you know, these companies are in big trouble. So if they have no cash, they're not going to be paying people back. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I think the next few weeks are going to be interesting for a number of reasons, least of all things like businesses um, and just how we're going to get on and how we're going to get back to work. You know, it's uh, a very strange time. Yeah, back to work and back to shooting. Oh, by the way, the whole purpose of this this episode is to talk about gear, which we're going to do. But which is awesome. It's awesome. We never talk about gear. Ever. We never ever talk about gear, and and whilst I understand why, because ultimately it's not the gear that matters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but you see, I, I spent fifteen years in photo retail, and I love gear. I absolutely love gear. So any excuse to talk about it, and I'm there. Well, we all do. And many people don't admit it. You know, as Chi-Chi Rodriguez used to say, it's not the arrow, it's the Indian. (laughs) But we still like it. You know, come on, let's just admit it. But uh, before we get into that, one other thing to talk about is shooting on the street during this time of lockdown. I know you're under serious lockdown in the UK. How has that affected your street photography? I mean, can you still do it or do you even want to do it? No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to do it. The, the streets of London are practically empty anyway. Um, I, I don't want to chance it by getting on a tube train or anything like that. I'm, I'm yeah. fine for right now. I mean, the streets are going to be there when all this is done. I can still document what's happening outside without having to go onto the streets. You know, I, I document document the daily goings on of my little village and and mm-hmm. things like that. So I've got a record of what it was like for me during lockdown but as far as street photography goes it really doesn't matter right now i think there are far more important things to be worried about like keeping yourself alive and keeping grammy and pappy alive too i mean it's 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 really there's there's a much bigger picture here and i think street photography is is way down the list i think of people's priorities right now yeah i um i went out yesterday because i I wanted to like you document um you know, just document what's going on in, in our little community. It's a small town. And my first stop was to go to our local hospital, a big medical center here. And I I just want to take some shots on the street, sort of establishing shots. Sure. Well, well, I got in trouble. <laughs> Not really? trouble. Well, I was taking a picture of a sign. And, you know, they, in front of each of the big buildings, they had nurses sitting out front where we're in you know, protective gear. And I wasn't even photographing them. One of them yells at me. He goes, hey, 
are you taking our picture? And I said, well, no, not really. Well, so I don't want my picture taken. I said, well, that's okay. I'm, I'm not going to take your picture. And then this guard, this guy that had biceps this bigger than my thigh, <laughs> said, he was very polite, though. You can be polite when you're like that. And he goes, well, you all got to go, you know, talk to the media office. I said, well, okay. You know, and I went across the street and there's another group of people um, the same way. Now, this was in front of the emergency room. I didn't even want to do it, but I didn't want that guy chasing me. Sure. And uh, so I said, okay. This guy said, I'm supposed to talk to the media office. And they sent some lady out. She took a photograph of my journalist credentials and my card. And I said, you know, okay, here's my info. And then I left. By the way, I rode my bicycle down. They didn't have to ride a car. Which right. is nice. anyway, and then I hear from this guy today saying, you can't come in the hospital. Uh, and I wrote back and I said, I don't want to come in the hospital. Whatever. So yeah. I was admonished and I'll just leave it alone for a while. Yeah. I mean, I've not even gone out there to try it. It's, it's just... I don't think it's worth it at the moment. Like I say, just document where you're at, document what you're doing. Yep. But 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 I mean, as far as street street goes, I don't think it's worth it. There's there's not a lot of fun to be had. I don't think. Uh no, definitely not. It's not a time to photograph people. You know, go out. And Probably not. No. Probably not. Do some urban architecture. Yeah, maybe some of that. If you want to go out at all, I mean, they're very strong on keeping people at home at the moment in the UK. They're saying just stay home. Just stay home. If you don't have to go out, don't go out. So um, I'm just finding Netflix is my absolute best friend at the moment. <laughs> and, um, you know, just, uh, yeah, just just sitting tight. I, I, I admit I'm getting antsy. I do, you know, I'd love to go outside in the street, shoot. But uh, there's absolutely no one around at the moment. So there's there's no point. Yeah, yeah. Just photograph the effects of people, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm taking a morning walk, and and literally, there's no one around. Uh, my my village goes over one of the main motorways in the whole country, which is normally gridlocked every single day, and there's not a vehicle on it at the moment. Really, that's that's oh. quite interesting. So, you know, you can still take pictures, you can still document the time because it's really important. We talked about this before documenting where we are at because i mean you know for both of our countries these have been defining years anyway for a variety of reasons and i think um the, the fact that we have proof of what was going on uh is very important so we, we we shouldn't stop doing that but as far as street goes hardcore street photography nah not interested right now yeah. i've got more important things to worry about that's a good point and one of those most important things you got to worry about is gear hey you're sitting at home Exactly. Think about the best stuff you can possibly use to do street photography when you start again. I, yeah, I think so. I think, look, it's a good time to talk about it because a lot of people, have, you know, they've got their gear. They're just staring at it right now. They might be thinking of changing up or changing down. There might be people out there right now who are thinking of starting but don't want to commit to a, a huge sum of money. So, you know, there's plenty of things to talk about really when it comes to gear. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, if you want to buy used used gear – Hey, there's probably plenty of broke street photographers out there that might want to be selling things off. <laughs> well, there's, there's that as well. Yeah, there's that as well, poor fellas. Fire sale. Yeah. People who bought too much stuff, which there's a lot of those. Yeah, there sure is. So what, what have you been shooting with lately? Well, I, as you know, you and I both are owners of the Fuji X-Pro2. Brilliant camera. Um, yeah. I've recently changed up. I did buy an X-Pro3 um which i'm really really happy with actually i think it's a terrific camera certainly the best fuji i've ever used wow. and um uh yeah so i'm getting well into the x pro 3 amongst other things but yeah definitely the x pro 3 has been taking up a lot of time recently so, what about you well i have um I, I went through this every time i travel overseas for a big trip i always go through this gyration of what to take I have the X100F, as in Frank, and I've had it since it came out. It's my fourth X100 series camera. That's the Fuji X100F. And fixed lens, 35mm equivalent. I love it, although the buttons sometimes are a little small for me. And I and I have the X-Pro2, mm -hmm. um, you know, interchangeable lens camera. And I also have the, still have the X-T1. I don't use it much, but 
I still like it. So, and I've got a pretty decent selection of lenses. Um, when I went to New Zealand, you know, I thought, well, should I take my X-Pro2? And then, well, what lens do I take? And when I do that, I'm always like, when I have one lens on, I'm wishing I had the other. And so I just took the X100F, plus I have the uh, the adapter, the um, the wide adapter, which makes yep. it a 28 millimeter equivalent, same as my phone. So I took that, and I was really happy. And yeah. I probably had the wide adapter on 80% of the trip. I think with the with the you know beautiful vistas and interiors and architectural stuff, the twenty eight mm is a really good focal length. Yeah, and of course you do, you don't lose any quality at all when you put those adapters on the Fuji X one hundreds. They they maintain all of all of their clarity. So yeah, they do. You don't lose a stop or anything. No, exactly. Great cameras, really good cameras. Um, yeah, it, it's the the, the X one hundred. Of course, you're you've owned four. There is now five. Yep. The X100V, have you have you read up at all on that one? I have, yeah. It looks really nice. It's got the uh, tilt screen. And I've, I tell you what, I my first digital camera, which is the Canon G4, G3, mm -hmm. had a tilt and swivel screen, and I always loved it. And I, you know, this is going back like 12 years or so, and I, that's what I always use for street photography, the Canon G cameras and uh, i really miss that tilt lens especially as i get older not tilt lens but tilt screen yeah um you know it's hard to get down on the ground and get back up getting down is easy getting back up is a little tough yeah yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean. yeah my, my my knees are shot as well and that's one of the good things about the x pro 3 is that has a flip down screen uh so whilst it's not completely um you know, it's not a flippy flappy screen. It's just a flip down screen, um, and it's and it's very very good. But with the X one hundred V, which is the new one, you've obviously you've got a you've got the, the the screen there, which is very flush to the back of the body as well. It looks really sleek. Um, but they've addressed the most important thing on the X one hundred, which for me was the lens. Um, they've improved that lens quite a bit. They've now got two aspherical elements in there rather than just one. Hmm. And that really has made a difference uh, in sharpness, particularly on closer up stuff and when you're shooting wide open. Um, the, the lens has improved an awful lot. And, of course, you've got weather sealing. So there are two, three big improvements there, I think, along with, obviously, the better sensor. Hmm. But I think the, the lens was... My criticism of the Fuji X100 was a lens. I was not a big fan of that lens because I've, I've toyed with getting one of those in the past, and that's what's put me off. But now they've addressed that, and I, I'm finding it a far more engaging camera as a result. That lens looks terrific. Is it uh, still f2? Yeah, it's exactly it's, it's 23 mil f2, 35 mil equivalent, exactly what you've got. You still use exactly the same adapters when you're going to go wide or, or telephoto. Mm. Um, and the weather sealing, I think, is a great idea as well because they are, you know, when you when you're shooting in all conditions, especially out on the street, the last thing you want to worry about is is rain or dust or crap getting onto your camera, and you don't have to worry about that now. So, mm. uh, I think there's quite a good uh, a, a list of uh, improvements there. It's expensive. But I think it's uh, it looks like a really nice camera to me. Interesting. Does it uh, focus any faster? It focuses faster than the one you've got. It yeah. also focuses a lot better in lower light. Um, it, it focuses down to minus 5 EV, which is very good. Oh, wow. the, the, the X-Pro3, which I have, uh, is meant to focus down to minus 6. I'm pretty sure it doesn't, actually. It, I've, I've tried it out numerous times, and it... It does dither a little bit, but it's still far better than the X Pro Two, and in in your case, the the X One Hundred F. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a better low light focusing as well and faster. So I think I don't know, Bob. I think you might want to have a quick look at one of those. Yeah, that that would be uh, bad if I did, because I'd wind up buying one. But I may do something else. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, one problem I have with I've had with all the Fujis, all the X100s, is is um, it misfocuses a lot. Maybe that's mm. just me. Um, I still use autofocus a lot on the street, and sometimes it'll back focus. Um, and yeah. the older ones in particular were famous for that. Yeah, the that first 
the first three were very laborious in 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 their in their focusing they were quite slow mm-hmm. uh, um they work they work pretty well if you were doing zone focusing things like that they were absolutely fine but of course yeah. you know it is autofocus you're meant to be able to use it but certainly the first one and the, well the first two were pretty awful i had the x pro one of course which which was also quite slow although yeah. it did have a um, it did have a firmware upgrade which kind of made it a little bit better that you could really only use on zone focusing on the street to be honest it just wasn't fast enough um but they they seem to have i mean they're, they're very very fast now the the x pro 3 is is fabulous there's there's practically no lag and i'm assuming that the x 100 v is like that as well so yeah it's it's, it's worth a look i mean do, did you keep all of your x 100s or have you only got the one camera now um that's the only one i have only x 100 i have yeah i sold all the other ones yeah yeah yeah, well, you know, hey, maybe when, the, when when things clear up a little bit, you can uh, go out there and check it out. It looks pretty good to me. The X-Pro3 is, is is absolutely fantastic. I think it's it's corrected all the things that I wasn't quite happy with on the X-Pro2. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm well happy. Um, I've also got a new lens with that as well, the 10 to 24. Oh, that's... Yeah, I love shooting wide. And it's an F4, so it's quite slow. But it's also image stabilized, which is uh, which is great. So so I'm having a lot of fun with that as well. Oh man, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Um, speaking of, I mean, if you're somebody's interested in picking up an old Fuji, you talked about the X Pro One, which mm. has many issues, but it sure has its own unique look, particularly back in black and white. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The the, the X Pro One is is I, I I'm not going to get rid of any of my X Pros. I think they're all fantastic ah, cameras. Okay. Um, the the X Pro One I've actually I've kept purely to shoot in black and white because I still think it gives the best, most malleable black and white images that that I, that I think you can get. Um, it's it's really good for black and white. Very strong black and white files, and I and I keep it for that reason alone. It's still probably the best sensor out of all of them for black and white. So, so that's why I keep it. X Pro Two's still a brilliant camera. I mean, it's 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 you know, if anything was to go wrong with an X Pro Three, then I'd gladly pick that up and use it, and probably it would be fairly seamless. But um, the X Pro One, and you can think is you can, it's a brilliant camera to start street with because you more or less, you know, you're having to dictate using zone focus mm-hmm. uh, because the autofocus is pretty slow and ungainly. And a lot of people, when they pick up the X-Pro1 for, for little money, I mean, you can get them for less than a couple of hundred bucks now. Um, a lot of people tend to pick them up with the old manual glass, which means you're going to have to zone focus anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely fantastic for that. So so I think if you're just starting out in, in street photography, I think the X-Pro1 is a fantastic camera to start with because it's still very responsive. It still fires when it should. But I think it works better with, with manual focus or zone focus. Yeah, and by the way, this is not a Fuji show. We're going to talk about some other things, but since we both do it, use them. And yeah, it made sense to start yeah. with Fuji's because we're both Fuji heads, really. Yeah. But but um, I mean, you know, my my experience in photographic retail means I just I read up on every camera that's out there and I try and play with them as much as I can as well. So yeah, and you're in a place when it's open with lots of camera stores and you can get your hands on things. Yeah, in many yeah, cities exactly. now you can't, but you're you're. Yeah, I mean, I'm, respect. I'm very, very lucky. We also have, believe it or not, we have a Fuji Superstore in London now that's just opened up. Oh. Three stories of Fuji film. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Good for them. I never yeah. knew they did that. Yeah, they literally, uh, this was uh, last year or may have, could have been, been earlier this year, uh, in Covent Garden, which is quite a touristy part of yeah. London. Um, they've, they've just opened up a three-story, it's called the Fuji Film House of Photography. And it's got everything that you could want in there, and and you can play with anything that you want, lenses, cameras, the whole thing. They've got the computer set up so you can post-process your stuff and everything. It's fantastic. Really nice place. Well, I'll have to visit that next time I'm in London, which I don't know when that's going to be. Hmm. Um, I'll just say one other thing. What I like about the Fuji cameras is that all of the – um, all the exposure controls are on the outside. Yeah, you know, apertures on the is on the lens, shutter speed and uh, ISO right on top, and yep. you don't have to look through any menus to change anything. 
That's I think that that's the the best thing about Fuji right yeah. there, Bob. I think is they're, they're completely intuitive to use, especially if you're of a certain vintage and you, you're quite used to using sort of old DSLRs and old cameras from back in the day. It, you feel completely at home with it because everything you're looking at makes complete sense. And and like you say, you're not scrolling through pages and pages and pages of menus. Um, I love Sony cameras. I think they're fantastic, but their menus are terrible. I love Olympus cameras. They're really good, but their menus are awful as well. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for picking up a camera, switching it on, and being able to use it pretty much straight away, which you can with Fuji. They're, they're completely responsive and intuitive to use, and I think um, I think that's one of the best things about the whole system, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Um, speaking of Olympus, I did flirt with them years ago. I think it was maybe probably about seven years ago or so. I had the OMD, the original OMD EM5. Mm. I bought it used. I yeah. really liked it. Um, you know, nice lens selection. The lenses were inexpensive. You know, great micro four thirds. I yeah. like the look of it. But I missed the, you know, the tactile controls of, of the Fuji. I wound up selling it. I think Olympus and Olympus especially, I think, they're, they're obviously a, a, a very traditional camera company. They do make really good cameras. I mean, yeah. the, the, the OMDs were spec-wise fantastic, really good feature set. Really good focusing. Point-to-point autofocusing was absolutely fabulous on pretty much all of the Olympuses. Micro Four Thirds meant you could buy fairly good quality, very good quality, actually, low-cost lenses. Um, and small. And small. What, what, what let it down, and what still lets it down for me, is high ISO performance. I still think they, they fall apart way earlier than APS-C and full frame. And as good as they are, that's always going to be the problem with micro four thirds having said that of course you can pick up again if we're talking about people that are starting out you can pick up old olympus pen ep1s ep2s for a hundred bucks and use them and in in fairly good light they will give you excellent quality images so i think it's it's more let down by the format i don't think micro four thirds is quite up to snuff compared to APS-C and obviously full frame. But I think as far as a feature set and cameras to learn on, cameras to get started, especially on street photography, there's a lot to be said for the Micro Four Thirds, both with Olympus and Panasonic. Um, I think I think you could, you know, if you're just starting out, it's worth investigating. I think the pens are just beautifully designed cameras. Um, they look very, very cool. And like you said, with the OMD, they were basically like miniature DSLRs, weren't they? Uh, yeah, they were. It uh, it just looked like a small DSLR. I liked it a lot, but I decided just to stick with what I had and and sold it. Doesn't sound like you miss it. Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes, matter of fact, one of my favorite photos that I've ever taken was taken with that camera. Yeah, and actually, a couple of my favorites were taken with that camera. So. I think it's I think it's a I think it's proof that it is often the photographer that that counts and not the gear. I, I I completely agree with you. I had I've used two cameras now which have one inch sensors. Um I use the, the Nikon do you remember the Nikon V ones? Yeah, I do. I've never played with any but yeah. They were great fun. They were grossly overpriced when they came out, but you could pick them up for next to nothing a couple of years later because they, they stopped doing them after a relatively short time because nobody bought them. But they they were one-inch sensors, and they had a couple of zooms and a couple of primes, and they were super snappy and super great fun. They were only 10 megapixels, the V1. That was a great camera. But one of the most popular pictures I've ever taken, which was shot when we had the snowstorms in, in London about two or three years ago, um, was taken on a little Samsung NX Mini, mm-hmm. which also has uh, a little one-inch sensor as well. And that was a fantastic camera to go on the streets with, really small and compact. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't always mean you buy the best camera, gives you the best pictures, because that, that little Samsung took some incredible pictures. And that was just a one-inch sensor. And it was a little backside, one of the first backside illuminated sensors. And it was fantastic for what it was. The only reason I got rid of it, was because it had an electronic shutter, 
which meant things could get a little bit wavy and mm-hmm. a, little bit, a little bit distorted like you get with the electronic shutters. But obviously with street photography, you are very often reacting very quickly and sometimes I would get that little distortion and I didn't really like it. But other than that, those NX1 minis, um, NX minis rather, the Samsungs are fantastic. So there's a lot to be said for small sensor cameras. Don't necessarily shy away from them. They are very often great places to start when it comes to street photography, I think. Yeah, they are in a good light. What else do you need? Exactly. Good light. I mean, you know, we a lot of street photographers shoot at F8, 500th of a second. There's not going to be an awful lot of difference no. regardless of sensor if 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 you if you're in pretty good light. So I, I you know, don't be afraid of micro four thirds. There's still a lot to be said for it. It's just not a system that works for me. You know, there nowadays there's no such thing as a bad camera. I mean, they're all really good. Yeah, you're absolutely and, right. And you so, go back ten years, go back ten years, and they're they're fantastic. Yeah, you know every ca- every camera that's made these days is capable of taking brilliant pictures. You just need to pick the one that fits best into your hand, and and that you can see picking up every day to use. That's the key. Yeah, and no matter what you use, just get really familiar with it, and stick with it. Yeah. So yeah. it's become second nature. Yeah, it needs to be an extension of your hand basically and of your eye yeah um you, know, you need to be able to switch it on and put it up to your eye and take a picture instantly but you were talking about uh, other you know other cameras you ever try yeah. the any of the ricos i have actually i'm a big fan of the ricos yeah, i think the too. grs are, yeah i think the jick uh, the grs again that's crossed my mind on more than one occasion and again, it's recently had an update as well to the GR3. Um, the GR2 is still very, very popular because it has the built-in flash. It only has a 16-megapixel sensor, which is still absolutely fine for most people. Um, but it has a built-in flash. The, the, the problem with the GR2 that I can gauge is that it tends to suck up the dust a little bit. And, of course, when you've got a built-in lens, if you get dust on the sensor, it's a pretty major undertaking to get it off now with the gr3 the rico gr3 not only do you have an upgraded sensor which is a 24 megapixel sensor but you also have weather sealing on it as well which stops the the the, you know the the bits of dust and crap getting onto your sensor um but it doesn't have the built-in flash it's uh so they they've kind of given you one thing on the gr2 and taken it off on the gr3 but you do have other advantages as well but the the, the great thing about the rico is it's it's tiny mm-hmm. it's absolutely tiny it's complete almost completely flush when you switch the camera off it fits into any pocket and again it's had an upgraded lens as well which looks absolutely superb um and i think it's you know it's a good three or four hundred quid or dollars less than the Fuji X100 equivalent, so it's worth looking at. Um, and I believe it's a 28 mil as well, isn't it? It's, yeah, it it's is. Bit, yeah, it's a little bit wider. So, you know, if you, if you shoot wider, I for one shoot very wide on the streets, 28 and 24 and, and 18 sometimes. Um, I, so I like shooting wide. So the Ricoh GR could appeal to a lot of people because it's very fast, very very sleek. And uh, the pictures I've seen from it, there's some really good street photographers out there yeah. um, with, with, with YouTube channels that are just shooting the GRs um, and, and doing a fine job. Some, some incredible pictures I've seen from that. Yeah, I had one for a while. I liked it a lot. Um, just, again, probably had too many cameras and I sold it. Another popular brand that you may have heard of is Leica. Oh, you know what? I have heard of Leica. Yeah, I've heard of Leica. I have heard of Leica, and I've heard that they're very good for street photography. Have you ever owned one before, Bob? Me? Uh, No, I did use one when I was at the Miami Street Photography Festival. They're one of the sponsors, and they had a table. And you could go up there and check out anything you wanted. I should have checked out the Q, but I didn't. I think I had a, I think it was the M9 at the time. With the, I got the 35 millimeter lens. Yeah. All yeah. manual. I got a lot of, a lot of out of focus photos. Um, and, but you know, you really can tell the difference. You, you, you really can. You yeah. really can. And I don't want to 
encourage people to spend thousands and thousands and thousands. It's, Certainly not. It's crazy money. Yeah, it, it is crazy money. But I'm, I've recently used the the, the Leica Q2, mm -hmm. and, and I have to say I do understand what they're talking about now. I've I've you know, I've I've resisted the red dot for many years, and of course, working in retail, I I was very familiar with the red dot and how beautiful it was, and I was always quite regretful that I could never ever afford one. Um, but they're beautiful. I, the, the Leica Q2 and the Leica Q, uh, which is going quite cheaply, relatively for for Leica, uh, the original Q, uh, the Leica Q2, which I've been using, is absolutely fantastic. And, um, yeah, I, I, I get it. I really do get it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking that Kool-Aid right now, to be honest, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's a huge undertaking, but the Leica Q2 with that 47 megapixels of goodness, beautiful AF, beautiful build quality, um, amazing lens. It's got a Similux lens on there, a 28 mil 1.7, which is beautiful, has macros, weather sealed, um, You'd never need anything more than that, I don't think. If you're happy with uh, 28 millimeter all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they don't make any adapters for it, which, you know, and believe me, I've tried. I've, I've used a, a Ricoh GW3, which actually works fine on the Sony RX1, which I've got. Um, and it doesn't work at all well on, on the Leica Q. Um, but... You know, 28 mil is still plenty wide enough, and it's mm -hmm. still plenty, and it's still plenty wide for the streets, and it's a 1.7, and it's a Summerlux, and it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm literally every time I open those files up in Lightroom, I'm gasping. It's just absolutely amazing. So, how much of adjustment is it to switch from, say, a Fuji or something else to from the a Leica Fuji platform? From a Fuji, none at all. It's the user interfaces are actually surprisingly similar. Like as the Leica Qs and indeed the M system are still very much unchanged. Uh, you still got an aperture ring. You still got a shutter speed dial. You don't have an exposure comp dial on the top like you do with the Fujis, and some of them you don't have an ISO dial either. The Qs you don't, for example. Um, but other than that, it's very intuitive to use, and and you know aperture ring, shutter speed dial, shutter release. That's really all you need. Um, so in which case it was a very smooth transition going from Fuji to, to Leica. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost seamless, very, very easy. What you've just got to get used to is just the, the general handling and the tactility of a Leica Q or an M body just feels different to everything else. And that's where the user experience comes into it. It really does make a difference. You, you know, you do have an awful lot of fun using a Leica Q. It's, it's can be one, it can be as easy as, as a point and shoot if you want it to be, or it can be as complex as you want it to be. But it, it's still, it just handles beautifully. It's a gorgeous design. And I understand now what the fuss is all about. It's, it's an incredible camera. Both the Q, is, which is worth looking at, if you can't stretch to the Q2, the Q is still an incredible camera. It just doesn't have the weather ceiling. It's 24 megapixels. And it's a little bit slower, a little bit more ungainly, but it's still a beautiful camera to use. But the Q2 is just like, wow. It's it's quite an eye-opener. And um, I'm enjoying it for right now. Yeah, I've interviewed many people who are dedicated Leica users, and they all say that it makes a huge difference. You know, unless they're justifying their purchase cost, but uh, um, and most of them are, are manual focus, so they yeah, but yeah. they I don't even know how to explain it. You should just go back and listen to our interviews. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think you've got to you've got to sort of go back and and listen to those guys that have been using you know Alan Shawler. We've we've talked yes. about him before, haven't we? Now you see Alan Shawler is a brilliant photographer, and he uses the monochrome. Which, yeah. is the, which is the black and white only camera. And I, I've been thinking, I was thinking about that first off. Um, but, you know, the M9 is a beautiful camera. The, 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 the 262 that's out now is a brilliant camera. M10 is amazing. Um, the, the monochromes are absolutely superb. I mean, they're literally, once you pick it up and use it, you do get it. 
you understand completely what these where these guys are coming from and i was one of those people who think that's a red dot mate that's all you're paying for is a red dot and then when you pick it up and start using that red dot nah it's it's my tune changed entirely absolutely fantastic but you know probably not worth buying one in this times that we're in now <laughs> mm, no unless you're um Unless you bought a lot of Amazon stock before this happened. Yeah. Or, or even even better, sell all your film cameras. Yeah. Sell all your film cameras and get a Leica digital. Hmm, I don't have enough to, to make that work. No. Well, it's <laughs> to, I'm just looking at the prices of film cameras these days and, and film generally, and it's just going through the roof. And I'm thinking, really? yeah, there's, there's, there's got to be an end point here somewhere. Because, yeah, I mean, you the, the prices of the cameras are shooting through the roof and kodak and fuji have just whacked up their prices at the beginning of the year by about 35 percent or something really? i'm just thinking, yeah 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 it's, it's and i'm just thinking there's got to be a cutoff point soon i mean that i that happened for me years ago um but i i just i yeah if i was to buy a leica i'd have a look at what f- film cameras i've got and and uh, flog them and get a get a leica digital and i'm going to get so much heat for that can't believe it <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, there's one other camera we didn't talk about. That actually, you wrote an article for us a couple of years ago mm. when you had a you had a fling with the uh, with the Sony. Yeah, yeah. This well, that Sony, the RX One R, that came to Cuba with me. Do you remember? And, That's and right. I took, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was um, quite a risky move that because I'd only had it for a couple of weeks. Um, but um, I, I really loved the Sony. The RX One R was fantastic camera um brilliant uh, image quality was fantastic it's got a, again it's like the q it's got a built-in lens that you can't take off but it was a 35 mil and it was a carl zeiss lens um and it was absolutely gorgeous the the, the problem with the sony for me is their menus are horrible and it's just the the usability had nothing on the fuji even if the image quality was better it was it was just nowhere near as much fun to use as the Fujis or the Leica Qs. Great camera. The, the Sony stuff is wonderful stuff. If you look at uh, uh, the specs of the Alpha 6s and the 7s um, and the RXs, they're amazing cameras with really good, appealing, engaging feature sets. They're just not very easy cameras to use. And uh, that's going to hold a lot of people back. I want to be able to switch a camera on, put a lens on it, the bare minimum of instruction and start shooting. And I could never do it with those cameras. You know, I use the alpha sevens for work. They're, they're amazing cameras to shoot film on and video on. Um, but to shoot stills, is just no fun on those, but the, the, the quality is there. The, the Sony quality is absolutely fantastic. They're just not as usable as say the Fuji's or the Leica's or the Ricoh's. Um, great cameras though, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I just just don't find them as fun to use. And I want to add, this is all our own personal opinion based on our limited experience. What works for you yeah. works for you. So don't get personal over this. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't crazy. give me a hard time. Yeah, don't give me a hard time because, honestly, <laughs> that's, that, that, that's what I'll get next. But you know what? It's Look, it's, it's you know, everybody's different, aren't they? I've I've seen incredible pictures taken with the those alpha 6 series the 6000 6001 and 2 and 3 4 and 5 they're amazing they sell in bucket loads so clearly i am in a minority there um i just for me i i think maybe it's something to do with the fact that you and i are used to using ds oh i'm sorry dslrs slrs mm-hmm. and cameras which have a more traditional look and feel to them aperture rings shutter speed dials iso dials things like that which is why we gravitated so easily and seamlessly to the fuji system now there are people out there that the first time they picked up a camera was the alpha 6 mm-hmm. and they got into it straight away because that's all they were used to so you know everybody's different everybody's at a different level of photography aren't they but i've seen some amazing street photos taken with the alpha 6s especially they're super snappy super quick so if you can get to master one of those then you know fill your boots because um they're certainly good cameras take great pictures oh yeah they are let me ask you this here before we go say tomorrow there's a knock on the door 
and it's the camera cool. police. I hope you know, well, I hope all right, Matt, we're taking everything, but you can keep one. Mm-hmm. What is it? Oh, God, Bob, that's a horrible question. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the X-Pro3. I cannot envision a life without the X-Pros in some form or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I've got these amazing system of lenses, which are beautiful. I've adapted a whole load of old Olympus Psycho lenses to, to, to go on my Fujis. I've got a bunch of Fuji lenses. I've got a bunch of Samyangs or Rokinons. Um, I, I, I cannot even contemplate parting with the Fuji X system. It's just not going to happen. It's just too beautiful. It's extremely versatile. It's really well-made, good, fun stuff. And um, I think if push comes to shove, I will always be a Fuji X Pro user. Look at that. Look at that. I think if that question was posed to me, I I would choose my Fuji X100F. Yeah. Yeah, and I would completely understand that. And I know so many people, you know, if, if, if you were to go to in, go to London on a, on a normal busy Saturday, not like it is now, but on a busy Saturday and you walked up and down Brick Lane, which is one of the big street photography mm-hmm. areas of, of East London. And you were to walk up and down that street, you'd probably see about 20 to maybe 30 Fuji X100 versions. Really? really? Yeah. Yeah, you really would. There's a there's a few empty nesters with lugging great EOS 5Ds and stuff like that around, um, but for the for the bulk of us, it's it's mainly the Fuji X100. There's a couple of X Pros knocking about. There's a couple of XTs knocking about, but it's predominantly X100 country. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite it's 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 quite illuminating to notice that. Everyone's got an X100. They're brilliant cameras. I think once you buy one, you're pretty much in it to win it, aren't you? I think so. At least, at least for me. So, so if if um, you you don't seem completely convinced with the X100V, Bob, are you going to go and check one out anyway? You know, if we have one here locally, I definitely will. Uh, by the way, I'm a big proponent of of uh, doing business with your local camera store. Always. If you don't. They're not going to be around too long. Um, I've yet to walk into the one here. And uh, so when things open up, I, I will go go in and get to know the people. Good. Um, I bought my last one at a great camera store in Cleveland, Dodd Camera. I know Dodd. I remember Dodd. I bet you do. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. So I, yeah, I like to buy local. You know, some, sometimes I Sometimes I buy used. Well, speaking of that. Uh, we talked about, you know, picking up an old camera, mm. and uh, I just want to recommend a couple places. Uh, sure. If you want to check out used gear, one of my favorites is fredmiranda.com, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a private website. You have to subscribe if you, want to, if you want to buy or sell. I think it's like $24 a year or something like that. I've bought and sold lots of equipment on there. Uh, it's a good community. People don't screw each other like they do on eBay. And if somebody is a bad actor, they get called out. Um, so real good place to buy and sell used gear of any maker model. And um, for Fuji, there are gee, I don't have the links. I'll put them in the in the show notes. Um, and I only go to the Fuji ones because I don't shop around a whole lot. But there's there's a Fuji resale site in the UK. And then there's one here in the U.S. that's uh, quite good. Um, right. And I don't know, you know any good sources for new used stuff, or do you always only buy yeah, new? Yeah, no, no, no I, I buy used all the time. Uh, um, most of my stuff is used, actually. Um, we have, uh, to be honest with you, um, there's a really good place in the States that sell used stuff it's called uh, KEH. Oh, yes. I really, I, those, guys, those guys are great, actually. KEH are really, really good. I, I can re- recommend those guys. In the UK, there's a couple of places that I really like. Camera World is my local stockist. 
um, in London. They're based in uh, or in the Oxford Street area. They're really good. Uh, and also, I really like MPB as well. They're kind of like uh, our version of KEH. Really good uh, value camera gear, um, good guarantees, good customer service. So MPB are really good as well. Um, and yeah, you can you can you can find a bargain. There are lots of bargains if you're just starting out in street photography. There are lots of bargains to be had. Oh, and I also failed to mention the uh, forums. There's uh, two really good Fuji X forums uh, with uh, buy sell sections in their in the forum and Micro Four Thirds. There's also a couple good forums, and I'm sure any brand. I know any brand. Um, has its own form of dedicated users so yeah. also a good place to look yeah absolutely and fuji rumors as well uh they're, they're, all the rumor sites actually are quite fun to read uh there's a sony rumors there's a four thirds rumors there's a fuji rumors site they're all good fun to read uh not always right but but still good fun to read yeah definitely so yeah more good places and when you start going to these forums you wind up spending lots of money sometimes Yes, you do. Okay, well, Matt, so tell us where people can find you. Um, the best place to find me is on Instagram uh, under Capital Faces, C-A-P-I-T-A-L, Faces, one word. Um, and, yes, you can hound me and troll me from there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, Good please place. don't. Please You're, don't. Um, You've become quite the Instagram expert. Uh, you ought to write a book about Instagram for photographers. Like no, I, it would. No, I would. I would be awful at that, mate. I, I, <laughs> I've only become an expert in the sense that I know how to fail at it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I've literally. I've t today has been a, a, a landmark day. I've actually reached a thousand subscribers. And I can guarantee you by this time tomorrow, it will be back down to 900. <laughs> oh, I saw your post about that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But as we stand now, I am actually at 1,000 followers. So if you want to add to that, feel free. Of course, if, if you want to ask me nice questions about stuff, then then please do just send me questions. I'm quite happy to to answer them. Um, I've no problem with that. But, um, yeah, that would be my – contact me there on Instagram at uh, Capital Faces and – Maybe you'll see a picture or two that you like. I'm sure you will. I'm yes. sure you will. All right, Matt. Well, thanks. Thank you, Bob. And, uh, and and remember to be safe and stay well, of course. And let's hope we can have another conversation in a few months' time about something else. 